0: everyone to good night and good game your source for geek news for the week that was i'm your host james and with me as always is my wonderful co-host hector hello and we're going to try and make sure the cat isn't rubbing all over our microphones over the course of this entire session we'll see (laughs) Um, so yeah this week on the show it is episode 450 wow we did it
1: Yeah, that kind of came out of nowhere. Kind of snuck up on us. Kind
0: of snuck up on us. Yeah, Uh, It's been a wild ride. Uh, For this week's episode, we decided that we were going to try out a new format that's going to be used every once in a while. This isn't going to be an every week kind of thing. It's what we call uh, boss room only Mm -hmm. or bro. It's kind of uh, the same thing that we do with our Patreon where we just pick a topic, we dive into a topic, and we just talk about that single topic. Um, There are some weeks where the news just there isn't as much news to talk about. Yeah. And I don't want to like... Bore our listeners, so I thought that we would take that time and really just kind of inflate our boss room a little bit and really dive into something that we care about talking about.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, um, so yeah, like next week, hopefully we'll be back to the news, but mm-hmm. you know, for this week we're doing we're gonna try out the boss room only format and see how it feels to us. Yeah,
1: it was a really slow news week. Like all the news was that. that uh, oh, so so someone leaked the source code to GTA Six. Right. That's yeah, it. That yes. was literally it. Good job. Yeah. I hope uh, you like being sued into oblivion. Right. That's that's where that's <laughs> gonna go. Uh,
0: yeah. So before we start, don't forget that you can head over to Good. Night. Uh, .gg where's the patron of our show you can suggest topics for us to talk about we just wrapped up week 2 of spooky week
1: yeah uh, 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 spooky I made, season spooky season yeah 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 and, uh, it's a
0: couple months and I, and i made you watch the monster squad
1: yeah monster squad is fucking awesome wolfman yep. has nards and if you would like to hear more about uh, my reaction to seeing the movie for the first time
0: for the very first time as a grown time, ass adult as see. a
1: whole ass human adult <laughs> Um, that's on our Patreon. Feel free to uh, donate to us there for access to those episodes and, and a few others and more to come.
0: Yep. And with all that out of the way, it is time for the Prelude.
1: Prelude.
0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Prelude. It's time to dive into what we've been up to this week, what we've been playing, what we've been watching, and what has been occupying our free time, and most importantly, what has been making us happy. Hector, what have you got for me this week?
1: Uh, let's see. Um, to finish off my Metal Hellsinger saga, mm-hmm. uh, I, I got credits this week. Oh, yes. Yeah. I, I, saw the, uh, I saw the credits roll, and I immediately said, huh, that's awesome. Can't wait for the sequel, and started at level one on the harder difficulty. Yep. I cannot get enough of this game i'm probably gonna try and platinum it on game pass before i buy it on steam and platinum it again Yep, that's how much fun i'm having with it it's that good buy it um second thing in my hot indie summer as it continues i started another xbox game pass game that came out this week called you suck at parking
0: okay tell me about this game
1: (laughs) you suck at parking is kind of an old school arcade racing game in the vein of something like, uh, like like, the Konami racer from back in the day, the Blizzard racer, you know, mm-hmm. with this little... The, the, the Simple track kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, the simple track sort of thing. But the goal in this game is to accelerate around ramps, over jumps, through speed-ups, and through very narrow corridors that will kill you if you touch the sides to arrive at a very perfect square in which you must park. Okay. There is a break. There is not a reverse. There's no such thing as reverse. And if you stay idle for too long, you will have technically parked and your run must start over. So you will start up a map and you'll see maybe like three or four pathways. Meaning on this map, there are about four parking spots and you have about a minute to park in each one of them. <laughs> okay. Meaning you have to park in one, reset, park in the second one, reset, park in the third one. You get, you can restart your run at any time by just pressing down on the keypad. Mm-hmm. And you just start from zero if you know this run is bad, that you didn't park correctly or you're not going to park correctly. You will get rewards for having fewer restarts than there are parking spots on the map. This is a very, very fast game, and it is precise as hell. But it's also very forgiving, and it's very easy to just start over so you can get the hang of the game. It is both forgiving and challenging at the same time, which is really cool to say. It's a lot of fun. It's a great little indie game, and it's on Game Pass, and it's free, and it's like a three-gig download. So maybe give it a try. It might be your thing. Last game I have on the list this week is another uh, free to play indie um, called Omega Strikers. Okay. How do Tell I about describe it. Omega Strikers? Omega Strikers is a multiplayer game in which you are one piece of a three piece game of soccer. Okay. Um, now, so you, you you know you're going back and forth. There's a goal on one end. There's a goal on the other, and you and two of your friends are against Two uh, three other people mm-hmm. who are also in a group, whether they're friends or not, whether you're friends or not, there is matchmaking. There is a ranked mode. And you pick a character and you play a, a rudimentary soccer bench. Um Here are the keys. Um, each character is wildly creative and has special abilities. Things like pushes or things like becoming invisible and moving faster so you can get across a field so no one can see. Mm-hmm. Things like manipulating the course so that the ball bounces in certain ways. When it hits certain part of the field, there are characters that are mostly long range ball manipulators, characters that are mostly short range ball manipulators, everything in between characters that work really well as goalies because there are two forwards and a goalie on every team of three. Um, It is incredibly fast paced. And it's one of those games with an infinite ceiling cap, Mm -hmm. but like it's easy to understand. You will understand the game, and you'll get what you're supposed to do very quickly. But at some point, you hit a place where if you don't know every character, all of their moves, how to counter them, and how to, you know, coordinate with your team for good goal placement, uh, you might be stuck in bronze, my man. You know, <laughs> you, you have to learn the game to be good at the game. But it's so much fun, and it's so interesting. Um, can't recommend it enough. If you play, hit me up. I'm Mr. Parker on Steam, uh, Omega Strikers. Fun game. Very cool. I haven't bought anything in it, even though it's free to play because you don't really need to. There are a whole roster of characters locked behind a paywall, but you do it with... But you buy them with in-game currency, not real money currency. And you earn real in-game currency pretty quickly, um, I found out. So I'm not upset with it at all at this point. Okay. Um, it's been good. Um, last two things on the list. First one, Chef's Table. I've talked about this show before from Netflix. It is a... Show that isn't necessarily about cooking, but about specific chefs. And it tries to highlight the unique thing that they're doing and their unique philosophy on cooking. It's usually a very beautiful show, usually really elegantly shot with a lot of slow motion on them cooking with a lot of really uh, good uh, classical music accompanying. It's a little It's pretentious. classy as fuck. It's classy as fuck, bordering on pretentious, but not in a bad way. Mm. This current season is about pizza.
0: Oh, all right. Yeah. I'm already in. I'm already so, in. So
1: this current season of Chef's Table, with all the pop and circumstance, with all the beautiful cinematography and the very elegant music and the thoughtful camera angles and the low, quiet, determined voiceover of the actual chef that they're talking to or the people who've written about their food for very popular publications, The Atlantic, The New Yorker, stuff like that all about chefs who make incredible fucking pizza. Some of the best pizza in the entire world. But they went ahead and made an entire season of pizza chefs from around the world just doing amazing things with pizza. One of them is a woman uh, whose parents are uh, first-generation Korean immigrants. So oh, she okay. is first-generation American, Korean-American. And... Her, you know, her parents went to Minnesota for mm-hmm. some reason without being able to speak English. And oh, OK. That's a weird
0: place to go. Yeah.
1: So, like, you can imagine the diaspora she grew up in, and, you know, not knowing anyone or knowing the culture and her parents not knowing the culture. Yeah. And... Um, You know, so there's that, but what did she do? She figured out that, you know what, people need a gateway to kimchi and maybe that gateway is pizza. Um, Another one is a New Yorker who moved to Arizona uh, for the climate to retire and then realized that Arizona grows some of the best wheat in the world to make flour with for pizzas. So he started a pizza kitchen and now makes some of the best pizza in the world in Phoenix, Arizona.
0: That's insane.
1: There's it, It's such a good show. Can't, can't recommend it enough. If you're into food shows, this is very hoity-toity, but it's kind of right up my alley. Um, <laughs> right. And the very last thing I have to talk about this week, because I can't not talk about it, is Edge Runners. <laughs> Edge Runners came out. This is a Netflix anime from the tradition of Castlevania, from the tradition of Arcane, uh, the best show on Netflix. Um, Edge Runner is a Netflix anime, definitely very Japanese anime inspired. The the, the, the artwork is there that it feels right out of the late 90s, early 2000s period of anime. Um, Even down to like the way that they styled the voiceover. But the setting is pure Night City. So much so... This that is
0: a cyberpunk anime.
1: This is a cyberpunk anime. And yeah. by cyberpunk, I don't mean just Mike Ponsmith cyberpunk. I mean Mike Pondsmith, CD Projekt Red Cyberpunk 2077 cyberpunk anime. <laughs> so much so that there are people who post about it on Twitter who literally just post scenes from the show in the game. You'll go to an apartment to meet a character and then someone will show the game and that apartment and walk Mm -hmm. around inside of it. And it looks exactly like it did in the scene from the show. Same with most of the scenes in in the anime. People are walking around going, "Oh, you see this? Uh, one of my favorite characters pulled out this gun. I found that gun in the game. Here's where you get it." Mm-hmm. Stuff like that. It's so conducive to people who are watching, who are who played Cyberpunk, or maybe want to play Cyberpunk. Cyberpunk 2077 is resurging in a way that I've never seen any other game do on Steam. Other than The Witcher 3, it Mm -hmm. has been out for well over a year at this point to terrible numbers because of the terrible, terrible condition it launched in. And this week has seen nearly 100,000 concurrent players in a single player only game Mm -hmm. on Steam for a game people wrote off a while ago. So I can't contribute that to anything except this show. Mm -hmm. And that's how cool this show is because when you're watching it, you want to live in it. And not in the good way. It is cyberpunk, after all. Everything is incredibly bleak and incredibly violent and capitalistically crushing. But from what I'm hearing on Twitter from uh, people who play cyberpunk, the tabletop RPG, Mm -hmm. the role-playing game, not any video games based on the genre, they're saying these characters in this game feel like they're living a life that I could have lived in a session of this game. Nice. It feels like they're really capturing what it's like to play this game with your friends on a tabletop.
0: That's fantastic. I love that.
1: That is so cool. And while I've never had that experience, I want it now. Mm -hmm. And while I still haven't played much of 2077, I can't wait to. I promised myself that I would wait until the first expansion came out, and I'm gonna. But I... God, I got the bug right now. and I really uh, want to play that
0: game. I'm not going to make any promises, but I do have a copy of the Cyberpunk Red Core rule set in my living room right now.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, this sounds amazing. Watch the show and I bet you fucking break that shit out. Yep, I really do. Well, I would
0: need people to play with. And
1: and, and you already got one. (laughs) I'm super in. But yeah, Edge Runners. Can't recommend it enough. It's on Netflix. It's a 10 episode anime. Watch it right now. After you watch Arcane, mm-hmm. if you haven't seen Arcane. After you listen to our show. Please. And then after you listen to our show.
0: <laughs> okay, so on my side of the world, uh, one of the things that we we talk a lot about, what we play, what we watch. Uh, one of the things we don't get to hit too much is uh, what has been making us happy. Mm-hmm. This week, all I have is one thing, and it is the thing that has been making me happy. Um, I went to a LARP this weekend out in Bastrop called The Night in Question. Um, it's a Sabat LARP. Uh, the easiest way to describe this is somebody who's not played Vampire: The Masquerade before. There's like normal vampires, and then there's like bad vampires. These are like the bad vampires. Mm. Um, it takes place over the course of five hours. Um, it uses a very unique rule structure that's unlike anything that I've played before. Because I used to run LARPs all the time, but none of the ones that I played ran ran like this. Um, it's basically almost think of it as like five hours of very intense. Improv theater, mm-hmm. in which you have a character that you have constructed with the uh, the help of the people who run the game, and you become that character. And I'm having to really cut a lot of this short because if I you get me talking about this, <laughs> I will be talking about this for the next five hours.
1: Oh yeah, this could be a whole whole episode.
0: Um, but it was an interactive theater experience. There was a blood rave. I was buried alive. Um. My character that I played went through an entire character story arc over the course of five hours, mm. like start to finish had a full ass character arc that's awesome and the other two hundred people or whatever number that were there did as well and um, it's been about a decade since I've larped uh it felt like coming home mm. i I forgot how much I missed it i missed I forgot how much I missed role playing yeah. Um, you know, I moved to Austin and I got this idea in my head that I need to be an adult and I need to focus on my adult things, my career and all this stuff. And I was like, yeah, I'm just going to like put away my role play stuff for a little while. And it would always creep up in the back of my head. Like, hey, man, you really missed this. Um, so that's when I finally decided to break down and go to the night in question. And the moment, from the moment I got there to the moment I left, It was, it was like coming home. Mm. Um, I could talk about my character. I could talk about the horrible things that happened over the night. I could talk about the blood rave. I could talk about all kinds of things. But what I do want to talk about is the people. And that's that after 10 years, I got to be around some amazingly creative individuals who all constructed these gorgeous and haunting and dark characters. And we spent five glorious hours acting out being monsters together and now just days from when we went to set event i have new friends hmm. i have people that we tell stories in discord about oh tell me about what your character did um i have people that again, it's just so strange to be away from a community for as long as I have and to come back and it never feel like I was missing a beat. Yeah, There's something about the shared role play experience that it's almost in its own weird way like you're going through a war story together right? Like you guys went through some stuff let's share those stories which is why it's so hard when people are like oh well like tell me about your weekend that have never really done LARP before because it's such a it's such a difficult thing to articulate, to say that I embodied another person for five hours and a week out from the event, I find myself missing not only the people that I played with, but the character that I played. Yeah. And it's just emotionally very intense and it sounds so strange to say it out loud again to people that maybe have never done this before, but it's cathartic in the best possible way. And I honestly value each and every person that I got to meet. Um, I'm, I, I hope I'm going to have some of these friendships for life because, wow, the just the people there were amazing from the costumes to their role play. And I was always worried that I was underperforming because it had been so long since I'd role played. And just everybody was so good. I mean, the scream queens that we heard alone Ooh. were just
1: powerful. I don't think I've ever heard one of those and in real like, life.
0: And so, they were so good. And I would wish I could list them all by name. I can't. I would be here for two more hours. Um, but... Something like the night in question reminded me why when I was 16 years old, which was a very long time ago, (laughs) y'all, and my friends invited me to go to my first vampire live action game. And I said, yes, I walked away from that first night going, I hope that I'm still playing this game for the rest of my life Mm -hmm. and coming back and meeting everybody that I met and just the shared experience of the night in question makes me sad that I left that part of myself for a while, mm-hmm. but at the same time makes me so happy that I'm back again and that I hope that I can continue sharing it with my friends. I'm going to try and drag your ass and do it at some point. I'm sure I'll go to one eventually. Um, yeah. And just the friends that I got to meet, um, I don't know if anybody from the 90 question is going to listen to this, but if you are, um, I love all of you and thank you so much for giving me uh, such a wonderful experience. It it really did mean the world to me. Uh, So emotion uh, outside or I'm going to start crying. Um, Let's, (laughs) let's get onto the show proper, right? That's everything we have for the prelude. Stick with us. It's going to get happier. It's going to get more exciting. It's time to go into the boss room.
1: Boss room.
0: Hey, everyone, it is time for The Boss Room, our main topic for the show, sometimes related to the news, sometimes not. This week is special for a few reasons. Obviously, this is episode 450, which is a pretty frickin' big deal.
1: That's a big deal, man.
0: It's a big deal, y'all. Deals don't get much bigger than this. Second, got a new PC set up for recording, which is really awesome. Yeah. And with that PC came days of me archiving and moving files my old computer that we were using for the show had about four hard drives and about 400 plus episodes of show on it I had to archive all of it organize it uh, delete a bunch of stuff try and condense it down to less than a terabyte of information to put it on a passport it was a complicated endeavor And during the course of all of this, the old computer just shit itself, which is why we're recording on the new computer today and why we're not live streaming, because I hadn't set all of that stuff up yet. It's been an adventure, y'all. And I'm, again, still decompressing from the night in question. It has been one thing (laughs) after another. But the whole point of this story, this tangent that I have led all of you on, is that while sorting through all of our old content, I came across a topic that we talked about around the 200s of our episode, which is... Are games culturally important? Mm. So we've come a long way from the podcasters that we were that long ago. And honestly, I think that we have more to say on this topic than we did back then.
1: Yeah, it was minimum like five years ago, wasn't it? Yeah. It, it may be a lot longer. Yeah.
0: And honestly, the show was a completely different show back then, mm-hmm. too. We just had different stances. We viewed the industry very different. I'd like to think that we grew and evolved and changed as people. Um, Fingers
1: crossed. Fingers crossed that we did.
0: (laughs) Um, So this week, let's pose the question again. Are games culturally important? We're going to spoiler it and say yes, but we're going to get into why. Um, I bet, honestly, we're going to find some answers now with years of doing this podcast behind us that are going to be pretty groovy. Yeah. So I'm ready to dive into it, but I do want to preface it with this. Instead of limiting this talk to just video games, I wanted to use the word games mm-hmm. because, obviously, from my introduction and talking about the night in question earlier, um, there's been a resurgence in the world of tabletop gaming and LARPing. Aside from that, things like yeah. Critical Role have introduced oh, yeah. new people to the genre, which is very important. And. Uh, we can't just dismiss that. So we can think about games in terms of all kinds of play mm-hmm. uh, to get really pretentious right at the very beginning. Cause that's what I do when I talk about video games yeah. is um, Hideo Kojima talks a lot about the concept of the homo ludens, mm-hmm. those who play this concept that we as humans, we instinctively invent ways to have fun from birth. Um, so I wanted to kind of just really put that concept out there as we talk about games going forward and what they mean and how culturally important they are and why they're culturally important. Uh, we are going to get really pretentious here, Scott. I'm oh, yeah. sorry. It's, it's going it's to happen.
1: Yeah. give me a lot of words.
0: Yep. So I made a list of things about why games are culturally important, but Hector, I want you to lead us into this discussion. Just top of your head thoughts. Please go. Uh,
1: why are uh, cult games are definitely culturally <laughs> important. Um, Uh, the very first thing that came to mind for me was how do you know when something is culturally important? And to me, um, it it, it all comes down to, and this is because of the culture that we live in. It's all going to come down to money.
0: All right. Capitalist, baby.
1: We all chase that dollar. We all like to look around and see what's popular and think like, well, maybe I could do that shit. You know, Mm -hmm. maybe I could, I have a really good idea for, for something that I would really like, and uh, I want to just do this in front of people, you know? Maybe we could even get a whole bunch of people together and do this, and film it, and make it into a thing. Mm-hmm. And I know this isn't the first one, but it's the first one that got me, but um, I want to talk a little bit about Harmon Quest.
0: All right, talk about it. Explain what Harmon Quest is. Harmon Quest,
1: and this is strictly because of how much I love Dan Mm Harmon, but... Harmon Quest was a show that Dan Harmon put on where his very, very good friend Spencer Crittenden, Mm -hmm. um, who is an absolute master of a uh, dungeon master, Mm -hmm. which is a person who would lead a game of Dungeons and Dragons for his friends, Mm -hmm. perhaps write it himself, definitely um, govern the rules and let people know if their actions fails or succeeds Mm -hmm. based on the game that they're playing and the things that are happening to them. And he just decides to get a few of his friends who he likes to play D&D with and a celebrity guest who he's worked with in the past Mm -hmm. or who he just knows and likes them and knows they like him Mm -hmm. and just invites them onto the show so his friend Spencer can write them into part of the D&D campaign he has made for him and his friends. Mm -hmm. And so they all can play D&D together there's tiny animated shorts that kind of explain what the characters are doing, but most of it is just a camera pointed at a stage where four people of round bowls of Cheetos and soft drinks play D and D together. Mm. And, um, this was a very popular TV show, like for actual people to watch. And when I say actual people, I don't mean anything by it. What I'm saying is it aired on television, rather than something like Critical Role, which got its life on like YouTube and even the Twitch, before yeah. the, the before YouTubes and the Twitches and yeah. the like. These are places like like um, Geek and Sundry that had their own web pages before there was like a thing where they just mm-hmm. put everything on YouTube like they do now. Mm-hmm. Or the normies, service. Yeah, the normies, exactly. This is stuff that was coming out mostly for nerds and then found its audience later with the mainstream and with people who thought, maybe I should, maybe I would like to play a game like that. I wonder what that's like. Mm. I think my, my favorite current example of something like this is the uh, the, the Twitter account of Raul Coley, mm-hmm. who... Um, does not, uh, uh,
0: who's a beautiful human being, an
1: absolute beautiful human being, and a wonderful actor. Um, who doesn't actually play a lot of, if any, Warhammer 40k, mm-hmm. but loves to paint the figurines and found yep. himself deeply into that hobby. So much so that the last time he was in Canada, and I, I, I don't know if he was in Toronto or Vancouver mm-hmm. or wherever, but he basically put out a blast that said, Does anyone play 40k? I'd maybe like to see what that's actually like. Mm-hmm. No, no, this is an actor who makes good money doing very big Netflix specials. He's just like, "Are there any nerds around? I need help yep, like like i I need some culture and and that's that's exactly what that is, isn't mm-hmm. it? that's that's the culturally relevant part. that mm-hmm. this is him reaching out to people to try and find the culture.
0: He wants to have a shared experience and something that he is fascinated by but has never had the opportunity to partake in.
1: Exactly, and something that he feels like he wants to partake in now and maybe he could have always been a part of if he only knew it existed. Yep. It almost feels like, like you said, like coming home or, or for him, like finding his home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like if you're of a certain ethnicity and you've never been to the country where your people are from and suddenly you find yourself there and you find all of the things about yourself suddenly making sense. Mm-hmm. I feel like he's kind of going through one of those journeys, and I can't imagine anything more culturally relevant than that.
0: Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that for him. Yeah. And I I know that uh, that us nerds are just going to take him into our warm embrace and be like, yes, you're one of us. I absolutely Absolutely. love that. I want to get heavy for a second. You got Mm. fun. I want to get heavy. I want to talk about gender identity, uh, expression and sexuality. Yeah. Games of all types, whether they be LARPs, whether they be tabletop, whether they be video games, provide the opportunity to explore one's personal boundaries if one so chooses. Mm -hmm. And that's something that not a lot of people were given the option to do for a very long time. Correct. Like, what other form of media is there where, like, you as a person get to express either your sexuality or gender identity in that way, right? Mm -hmm. There's always that question when a game like Cyberpunk comes out and it's almost a meme at this point of, like, you know, what are my romance options or do I not have to have any romance options? Can, am I free to... Uh, express myself and explore myself in a safe environment, and that's so fucking culturally important because, yes, well, you know, people do not always have the ability to do those things. Yeah, and so yes, games are culturally important because they allow us to express ourselves in a way that we may not be able to. Based on the circumstances around us. Yeah. So that's my vote for cultural importance. Yeah,
1: agreed. Absolutely. I would even take that. Uh, I, I would, I would, I'm going to piggyback off of your point to make another one. Sure. When you go, uh, I, I love everything you said about like sexuality and discovering who you are in that space. And I want to talk a little bit about how games represent just our shared humanity in mm-hmm. so many ways. And this brings me all the way back to the days of like early itch.io. Stuff mm-hmm. very early, you know, gamer projects um, where people would make very very simple games. You know, with a dot scrolling downward across the screen that you could move left or right, mm-hmm. and there were other dots that would just sit there. But if you move closer to them, they would move away. Mm-hmm. And eventually, yeah. you would find one that moved close to you, and it would stay with you for a while and moved where you moved. Yeah. And then, and other people would still move away from you. People, they're dots. But it, and that's exactly where I'm going with this is the idea is a, a trying to make people understand the feeling of being alone while moving through groups of people uh, trying to, you know, show the world how you look at a thing mm-hmm. Um Going from that, we can go right into This War of Mine, mm. which is a really incredible game of, that makes, like, even to this day, all I can think about is Ukraine. When I was playing it at the time, all I could think about it was Kosovo. And that's because when I lived in Corpus Christi, I had a friend who was there. Mm. Um uh, he was much older than me, obviously. Explain
0: but. the concept of this war of mine. Uh,
1: this war of mine is a game where you are a civilian in a vaguely Eastern European country that is currently basically in the throes of a post apocalypse due to an ongoing war. There is very little in terms of sewers, uh, there's nothing in terms of services, electricity, food, water. You were scavenging for all of that. You have a house that keeps you safe and you decide who gets let in. Some people try to break in. Some people work their way in with kindness and then betray you. There's it's The way that humanity acts and reacts to each other during war, the violence you may need to do even though you weren't prepared for it, even though you don't want to do it, and the hard decisions and just basically... At, at, at what it might cost you to try and be a good human at certain moments. Mm. This is something that movies try to do, but really can only show you how you might feel about the mm. situation. It takes something like a video game to teach you how you might act in this mm. situation. Because everyone, everyone is a hero until they might get hurt. Mm. And I, Or until they might actually have to pay a consequence, I would say. Mm -hmm. Which is why games like this, games like this war of mine, are designed to make you feel the consequences of your acts of kindness, of your heroism. Maybe it costs you everything. Maybe it just costs you so much that you can basically no longer succeed. Mm -hmm. Was it worth it, you know?
0: I mean, that's what happens in Frostpunk. In Frostpunk, if you are playing the game and trying to do everything to be the nicest person in the world you're going to lose. Oh yeah. Frostpunk forces you to make the hard decisions. Mm -hmm. It just asks you how many of those hard decisions are you willing to make? Yep. So, I mean, it's a beautiful things about games. They take you on that journey to be able to do those things. I want to talk about connections. Actually, I want to talk about shared connections, shared Mm -hmm. experiences when it comes to video games. One of the reasons I think that they're culturally relevant Is the way that they connect one another and it'd be easy for me to be like, oh, let me talk about Final Fantasy Online or, you know, even shooters Mm. or, you know, those are the shared experiences. No, I am going to bring up, take a drink audience, you know, it's coming, going to talk about Death Stranding.
1: Yeah, because
0: Death Stranding is a game that you play by yourself, but you play it with others. The other people influence your game and help manipulate your game world and you help manipulate their game world and you do it for nothing other than for the sake of helping someone. Mm-hmm. Death Stranding is a game that left me with a lot of feelings. Death Stranding is a game that I bought the sound on vinyl. Death Stranding is a game that I have played and replayed and I'm about to buy the director's cut and replay it again on my PS5. Death yep. Stranding is a game where the world has been torn apart. And you are helping put it back together. Death Stranding is a game that represented America at the time that it was being launched, even though it was being made before that time. Yeah. It, it got real it got real weird, y'all. The pandemic <laughs> happened and we went, Fuck, Death Stranding has happened because How does
1: Kojima keep predicting the future?
0: Games are culturally important because they help us tell these intimate stories and teach us lessons the way the books do, the way the movies do. Death Stranding is a game that teaches us that no matter how fractured the world might be at any given moment, there is one thing that keeps us together, and that's hope. Mm -hmm. Games are culturally important.
1: Uh, To add to that... um... Tad did that exact same point about connections. I want to talk a little bit, and I'm sorry for the spoiler, but the game is several years old at this point, so you'll 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 have to forgive me. I want to talk about the ending of Nier automata. This sure. is not a plot point. Um, so the story of the game will not be ruined by me saying this. This is literally what happens at the end of the game. At the end of the game, the credits begin to roll and as you and and let me say that the ending of this game is very nebulous because you'll see these credits roll over and over again mm-hmm. this game ends and then you start the game over and it's completely different and you're playing with a different character this mm-hmm. happens 3 times and once you've consumed all of the bits of the story that you understand the credits begin to roll but this time you are a part of the game in the form of almost a Galaga-like shooter, mm-hmm. where you are shooting um, the you know the credits and the credits are flowing by and there are ships and there are credits that are shooting at you and you're shooting at them and you know it feels a lot like a like a bullet hell mm-hmm. and it's really really hard. It's way too hard. And the thing is, when you die because it's really hard during the credits. Mm-hmm. And credits start over. Oh, wow. You have to beat this. Oh, God. You have to beat this to beat the game.
0: You have to beat the credits to beat the game. You have to beat
1: the credits to beat the game. Wow. And it is fucking impossible. It is so hard. It is Mm. worse than give give me any Japanese bullet hell game and multiply it by a thousand. Mm. You are outmatched. You are outgunned. This game is destroying you. The developers of this game are putting you to shame. You cannot beat them. Absolutely cannot. Until the game says you're probably going to die like 10 times of this. Mm -hmm. And then the game will say, would you like some help? Mm -hmm. And when you're, when you're finally okay enough with yourself to say yes, after you can try this a million times, Mm -hmm. when you're finally okay enough to say yes, you see a couple of different names scroll across the screen, and they're the names of other people who have played this game, Mm -hmm. other people's characters, and they start to surround your ship, and they start to defend it from bullets and shoot things that you're not shooting at, and all of a sudden, you might be able to win. It's not easy by any point, but the more times you die in this mode, the more help you get, the more... Other people who have played this game show up to help you mm-hmm. and help you get through this incredibly hard challenge to finally beat this game. You've beaten three fucking times at this point, but you're actually going to get to the end. You're actually going to get to see the ending of the credits, the final name of the director, scroll by, and then you're done. And mm-hmm. then you've, you beat the game. Mm-hmm. And there at the very end, after you've done it, with the help of all your friends, the game asks you, Okay, you gotten this far. Thank you for completing our game. Now, question, would you like your character to show up and help other people? Mm-hmm. If you answer yes, we will delete your save game.
0: Wow. So
1: imagine a game asking you not what the in-game cost of helping someone else is. What is it worth to you in real life? Wow. And that is why games are culturally important.
0: Jesus <laughs> You've stunned me with that one, sir. Oh, man. How do I take it from that? Uh, games are culturally important because uh, they can be educational without being educational. Absolutely. Uh, Civilization, a game oh, that I have man. sunk many, many hours into, yep. way too much of my life into. One more turn was the theme of my life for years. Anytime. time... I am just hanging out and I'm bored and I'm like, you know, I could load up a game of Civ right now. Mm -hmm. And then like 12 hours later have passed. But there's so (laughs) much of history one can learn from playing the game Civilization simply by interacting, simply by the facts that it gives you. I have read about people online that said my knowledge of history comes from the Civpedia.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like yeah. I just, I just pulled up the Civ PD and started reading. Now I know a lot of shit about Machu Picchu and here we go. Yep.
1: I, and, and and I can't, I can't say I'm any different. I I I didn't play it growing up, but I had a friend who was really really into it. I spent several afternoons over his shoulder, mm-hmm. just being like, "Yay, video game." Yep. Um, but, you know, ne- never playing myself, but you know, enjoying it. I but, but I learned a lot about history from yeah. it.
0: I remember growing up, and my it was my friends actually my friends they got me into LARP. Their mm-hmm. dad played a lot of Civ and mm. I was like looking at that and I'm like, well, that looks boring. Yeah. And then as an adult, I was like, like yeah, I guess I'll try it out. Not even once kids <laughs> civilization. C- this is a just general rule for humanity. Actual heroin. civilization. <laughs> not even once. <laughs> but yeah, like that's an amazing reason why games are culturally important. Yeah, because they, 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 they
1: teach us things. They yeah. teach us a lot.
0: Problem solving skills, baby.
1: Oh, problem solving skills, spatial awareness, spatial reasoning, mm-hmm. um, being able to like model 3D objects in your head so you're not confused by them when they yep. move. These are skills that they make you, that they test you for to get jobs these days. Yeah. And I mean, I can do it better than anyone older than me for the most part. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, substantially older than me. And I'm sure kids would be much better at it than I am. Mm-hmm. Another great example of education is something like Assassin's Creed Odyssey, right? Mm-hmm. Where you have ancient Greece, and that's the setting for this game where, you know, there's some... Uh, uh, it-
0: why don't we dial this back, actually? Why don't yeah. we talk about Notre Dame? Mm. Because that is a thing that happened, remember? Yeah.
1: Let, let, instead of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, let's go back three games to mm-hmm. Assassin's Creed Liberty. Um, the one that took place during the uh, the, the French Revolution. Mm-hmm. And for God's sakes. And, you know, Susie said this earlier on Twitter, but this game deserves way better than the languish and the janky mess that it's in. Mm-hmm. This game is amazing and it is an achievement and it needs a full engine remaster. Mm-hmm. Fucking Ubisoft, do something good for a change. Please, mm-hmm. God. <laughs> Assassin's Creed Liberty came out as a uh, one of the most amazingly texturally modeled games ever because everything was taken straight out of history books mm. to try and remodel classic Paris in, like, I don't know the actual fucking year, somewhere between 1400 and 1600, right? <laughs> in the history. It's a wide debt. It's a history time. Mm-hmm. Sometime between the Middle Ages and, like, after the Renaissance and, like, when, when the French people, the, the French government started training people badly and they were like, but we all have knives. Mm-hmm. You know, that that the good part of French history. They modeled everything from photographs and photographs and photographs and video. And they had this perfect, beautiful model. And then... Several years later, the actual Notre Dame caught on fire Mm -hmm. in a really epic way. And they lost a lot of the art that was just encased in its walls. And I don't mean just like paintings and shit. I mean like the actual carvings of gargoyles and like sconces Mm -hmm. and like wooden posts and banisters that were carved hundreds and hundreds of years ago that if there weren't any good photographs of they couldn't recreate to put back the way that it was mm-hmm. they found this information in this video game mm-hmm. they found it in assassin's creed liberty and they were like oh we can actually perfectly restore the cathedral someone was paying attention mm-hmm. And they did, it, they, they did it for a video game. If that's
0: not culturally re- relevant, I don't know what is. Yeah, point.
1: I mean, uh, the, the next thing is to my first example. In Assassin's Creed Odyssey, we're talking about ancient Greece and Greece stuff. And again, this is a video game with a lot of sci-fi elements that is about like stabbing people and trying not to create time paradoxes by doing so. Mm-hmm. But the game was so historically accurate to the time that they decided to convert part of their game into a teaching tool where instead of NPCs giving out quests for who you can go kill or how many bear asses you can go fetch to make a new hide, bear hide, you know, arrow quiver, instead, you walk up to a guy and he'll be like, look at our beautiful city. Would you like to know when it was built? How it was built? Would you like to know the history behind the person who decided to have it built? Or all the people he killed to have it done? Like, how much history would you like to know? And they have actual curriculums all inside of this game, in its engine, teaching people of any age history. And you can just get that from the game. It's just there. That's fucking cool. And it's a, if they had that in my history classes in high school, I'd know a lot more fucking history. I'll tell you what right, right. now. Games can be therapy. Games are definitely therapy. Games
0: are culturally important because they can be therapy. Yeah. I, uh, I've told the story of the show a long time ago, but I... When I played Bioshock Infinite, there's a reason why I have a fondness for that game, even though like I'm accepting of its flaws. Yeah, sure. I had just lost my grandfather mm. when I played it. I felt very lost. My I was very close to my grandparents, and losing my grandfather was hard. And getting to play a character that I got to feel empowered for a little while, mm-hmm. where a game where I literally got to save someone, mm. meant the world to me. So that despite its flaws, I still think back fondly on BioShock Infinite because it was therapy for me. It was me to wait, work through the fact that I had just lost somebody and now I could save somebody. You know, I could I could be a hero where I couldn't before. Yeah. Right? um so yeah games can be therapy horror games can be therapy good lord oh I'm, god horror I'm,
1: games are excellent therapy i'm
0: a i'm obsessed with horror games obviously as anybody who's been around me for 30 seconds where i can't shut up about silent hell mm-hmm. um yeah games are therapy man you can work through some shit both the creators and the people <laughs> playing the game
1: some games like silent Hill 2 are about watching someone else work through their shit <laughs> right and you're like oh that's that seems really gratifying. And also, I might have some of the same issues this yeah, guy does. Yeah, I might have like a bunch of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, games are absolutely therapy. All the way from all the way from getting you to deal with your own shit explicitly through something like a game that was designed for that to just showing you how other people process things like loss mm-hmm. or grief or frustration. But um sometimes they just show you somebody taking something too far. And uh, my favorite example of that is very recent. It's the Last of Us part two. Mm-hmm. you know exactly what I'm talking about. And this is, you know, one of the one of the great things about video games is people take their own things away from them and can interpret them much like any culturally relevant art. Mm-hmm. But, um the thing about the Last of Us part two was it is about, Forgiving the unforgivable and how how do you not live with the other person? You probably don't have to. How do you live with yourself if you just go ahead and let go Mm -hmm. of something that it is killing you to pursue that? That you probably don't need to, and that, that maybe the person or the people you were doing it for wouldn't want you to. Mm-hmm. How do you forgive yourself, much less the person who wronged you? And whether or not they have a good reason for long for wronging you, I mean, it, how do you put yourself in their shoes and then live with? You know, I mean, it's it, it's it's so it's so fucking interesting and tough. And the game was made for such a good reason, and I mm-hmm. think it probably. It probably helped a lot of people get through some shit. Yeah, I, I know it did me, and uh, yeah, games can absolutely be therapy in the best ways. And if you if you feel like for any reason you need therapy, please go to a therapist. Video games are not actual clinical therapy, therapy yes. but they can But but they do understand. Like all great art, the, the great ones that are great art do understand where things are coming from and they do want to help you embody a character or look at something from their perspective so that you understand not only them as a protagonist and them as you know a badass and a a killer or someone who's really great at platforming but as someone with motivations that may be flawed and how to how to not be that and how to not do that Death Stranding is another great example of that
0: I want to shift the conversation uh, away from the games themselves in terms of this is a Silent Hill. This is a Mario. Right. This is a Mario. I want to talk about the industry as a whole. Yeah. I know that there's a lot of things that we could say bad about the industry, but we, sure. we are not here for that conversation. That is not where we are at this week. Games are culturally important because they've created an entirely new field of work.
1: Oh, so many. Multiple fields of work. Yep. And I mean, a lot of them revolve around video, but that's recorded video or streaming video. Mm-hmm. Are we talking about essays or are we talking about reviews? Mm-hmm. Are we talking about retrospectives or are we talking about late critiques? Are we talking about Speed running? Mm-hmm. Are we talking, you know, uh, 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 about dissections? There is literally a guy who all he does is explain to you very, very deeply how fall damage works in Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. and That's basically his entire channel. It's how certain mechanics actually work down to the math in Elden Ring. This man is supporting a family. Mm-hmm. Like, like this is amazing shit. Mm-hmm. And it's not just him playing games for a living, but it's about him producing content that people want to see about the things that they love. Mm-hmm. This isn't much different from people who make, uh, you know, Wolfman's Got Nards. Mm-hmm. He really just wants to show you a project that he loved and... Just explain to you his take on it or or what is most fascinating about it to him or them or they. It's
0: made game designers, content creators. It's made, you know, everything from community managers. Most recently a publisher. A publisher, yeah, yeah. Most recently a publisher. Um, the games and you want to talk about the cultural impact of video games. Let's talk about the cultural impact of it and games pulling in more money than Hollywood. Right?
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and let's not forget how quietly that happened and how it's so ubiquitous now that people laugh at movie money. You know, when, uh, you know when, when Infinity War does incredibly fucking well, you know, not Infinity War, Endgame, mm-hmm. sticks the landing, is a huge cultural phenomenon, rakes in all the movie money that could possibly be made in the world at a single time, mm-hmm. and it makes like $2 billion, mm-hmm. maybe two and a half, maybe three total box office, mm-hmm. right, if you don't count the streaming stuff. It made like $3 billion. That is Call of Duty in a really bad year. Mm-hmm a horrible fucking year that call of duty the annual release of call of duty would make three billion dollars and that's your sales alone much less any kind of streaming rights or anything like that like yes hollywood was all looked down on video game for so long that they couldn't even get a decent project out Mm. you want to talk about how relevant how culturally relevant video games are (laughs) um uh, the pokemon movie pretty okay yeah, pretty okay. People really liked it. It had good actors in it doing, you know, interesting work. Um, Sonic the Hedgehog, the mm-hmm. video game movie, pretty okay, not too bad. Got a sequel. I liked the sequel too. <laughs> that interests Elba as a voice acting character. This is huge. It brought Jim Carrey out of retirement and then back in. That's what Sonic the Hedgehog. That's did. very
0: culturally relevant. That's actually, very
1: culturally relevant. And then there's um, Free Guy. Mm-hmm. Which is not about a video game. Mm-hmm. It's about all video games and mm-hmm. not in an abstract way, in a very specific way. Yeah. It's about an NPC finally just getting fed up with all the shit being done to him and mm-hmm. fighting back. And that's fun. Mm-hmm. That, that's really cool. I and like that
0: it. That kind of takes me to one of my other points about video games being culturally relevant is that video games have become part of our lexicon at this point.
1: Oh, absolutely. There was so much in the movie that wasn't like lol kids vernacular. It was literally just him talking Mm -hmm. about being in a video game by being in one. Yeah. You know, it wasn't a cute nod. This kind like, of
0: thing dates back to the days of the Leroy Jenkins of the
1: world. Of course. Right. Yeah. And, and Leroy Jenkins is, is so ubiquitous now that Bo of the Fifth Column, a man who does a very serious news show, makes references to Leroy Jenkins in his videos. Yeah. We all know what he's talking about. Right. That That's how popular that was. And, you know, in something like Scott Pilgrim versus the world, there's a cute gag where he grabs an icon of his face and he's like, I'm going to get a life. And yep. you're know, like, that's a fun video game joke. Yep. But in Free Guy, when Ryan Reynolds is falling really far and he buys an item to save his life, you're like, yeah, that's that's what you do. Yep. And that's what I would have done. Microtransactions, baby. Yep. Yep. You got it. And, and you know, you... you there's a, there's a language that people understand in video games now so simply that it, it 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 breaks through into people who maybe even don't game. Although these days, those people are more and more rare. I don't know anyone who doesn't at all play video games that is younger than me. So
0: that brings me to one of my other points was that, you know, back in the days, it was a really big deal when WoW was as popular as it was because mm-hmm. it became the water cooler game. Yeah. All the people you knew that didn't play video games play, there that, that didn't play video games games but played video games right played either call of duty or world of warcraft yep and that was where those games they never played anything else but that's what they played yep. and then now we are in this era where the meme is like the kid looking up at you and being like hey do you have any games on your phone yeah that's just the world that we live in at this point mm-hmm. full grown adults that i know have games on their phone oh yeah and they are no less gamers than anyone else
1: yeah you know why because it's sometimes better to occupy your mind with a, a little bit of a dopamine and a, and a task that isn't about you know Facebook trying to outrage you right. or you know an algorithm that's trying to make you just mad enough to keep scrolling no instead you're either playing a you know life sim game like power wash simulator mm. or you're doing some kind of fantasy like a marvel game but you're you know, you're, you're doing something not necessarily productive, but better for your mental health than scrolling. Right. Fucking doom scrolling. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say video games are good for you, but they're better for you than Facebook. That's, that, <laughs> that is
0: absolutely true. Uh, we still have a ton more things we could talk about here, but I feel like we've pleaded our case. We said that games are absolutely culturally important and provided some examples Um, Hector, as we begin to wind down, give me one final off the top of your head. Why are games culturally important to you, my friend, to to you specifically,
1: to me, games are culturally important. Um, well, because very personally, because I grew up with them Mm -hmm. like 1984, the year I was born. I'm sorry, everybody for dropping that on you. (laughs) Um, was literally the year the NES came to, came to America. Mm-hmm. Um, I was practically born with one. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't remember a time where I didn't have one where I wasn't playing Mario with or Punch Out with my cousin when he came over for the summer to babysit me while my mom had to work. Mm. And that, that, that's where i cut my teeth that's where i learned the basics of reading that's where i learned the basics of motor control Mm -hmm. you know and how to do things i did i I was a single child without a lot of friends so i didn't play a lot of outdoor sports Mm. but i had uh, video games to keep me company and you know we when we move from that to where we are now games have always been culturally relevant because they've grown up with me in such a glorious way and I, yeah, I mean, if not for video games, I'm not who I am and I I can't imagine what's more culturally relevant than that because I know a fuck ton of people who would say the exact same thing. In fact, I know very few people who wouldn't.
0: Games are important for me. (laughs) I've already been talking about it through this whole episode. Uh, Games have been a big part of my life through my whole life. Um, I have been around arcades. I've worked in arcades. I have played LARPs. I have played tabletop games. Uh, Everything in my life when it comes to my social circle has revolved around games in some way. And that's why they're culturally important to me. Uh, I met a group of friends in Austin when I had moved away from tabletop role playing that I met through uh, Mutual Overwatch League people that was great that's how i made a friends group Mm -hmm. then i came back to larps this you know the other day and i made new friends and games are a way for me to be social and to have fun but also quiet time Mm -hmm. i want games to make me cry when i have trouble doing it myself because Mm -hmm. we live in a society that doesn't really let men cry and so sometimes i play a horrific game so that i can feel okay with crying that's a horrible thing to say and i probably need therapy but it's a thing that i do um games are important to me because they help me process they help me be the person that i am they help me connect with other human beings they help me learn more about myself uh games are culture because they exist they're They're a part of of culture they're made of culture they are what a such a big part of who I am that to separate myself from those games. Like I said, at the beginning of the show, when I said that I took 10 years away from LARPing the game, the games that I loved the most and coming back to it felt like coming home. That wasn't hyperbole. That was the absolute truth that games are culture because we, we make them culture.
1: Yeah. They're made by people. Right. But they're made by at this stage uh, that some of the best artists, writers and programmers and I mean, thinkers in, in, in the world, you know, the mm-hmm. people who recognize that we are homo ludens and that mm-hmm. they can give us something deeper than, you know, something to watch on screen, that if they make us participate um, in a way that you know you couldn't get from a movie or even a stage play you know that a- asked for call and response from the audience they make you participate in the decision making process then you know games that make you author your own story might just give you the agency to do so in your own life and that's mm-hmm. i mean that's fucking culturally relevant right it's there. fucking beautiful is what it is yeah
0: that is everything that we have for the show this week this is episode 450 thank you everyone who stuck with us to anybody new to the show welcome on board it's going to be a wild ride we're going to keep this thing going and the show only gets better every week to be perfectly oh, yeah. honest uh, don't forget that you can over to goodnight.gg to become a patron of our show you can go over to um, at g, and g, g cast on twitter to talk to me directly and that is everything that we have for the show this week I felt like we had such a wonderful conversation that's a sir? good
1: one man yeah 450 fun.
0: 450 I hope you like these boss room only if you do like them let us no uh, because we want to do them more often Uh, you know on those slow news weeks we we just want to bust out a boss room and have a very in-depth conversation about something that we love and that we're passionate about Mm -hmm. and that's why we do the show in general but until next time for Hector this is James and
1: for James this is Hector
0: everyone good night
1: and good game